win if you can, and subscribe if I let you. Welcome to episode 52 of the Rutgers Scout Cast. I am your host, Sam Hellman, and speaking of 52, who better to have on the 52nd episode than everybody's favorite 52, Eric Legrand. Eric, what's going on, man? Sam, what's happening? I'm doing well over here. Well, I am doing well, too. Very, very busy with Rutgers basketball, starting the Big Ten tournament, and you're busy. you got tons of stuff going on. What are you up to right now? Uh, you know, though, moving in silence. I'm moving here, working there, working with my foundation plan. Some events come up. The seventh annual walk coming up. Got WrestleMania coming up. Where I can't announce until the 13th, but you know about it. It's going to be exciting stuff. Um, also, just uh, working hard in therapy still two times a week, and... Uh, yeah, living life to the fullest. It's been a mild winter, so I've been able to get out more than I used to. I was going to say, I'm, I, you know, I'm always a little jealous when I see my friends tweeting pictures with celebrities and stuff, but when you tweeted a picture with Triple H and a title belt, that kind of put me over the edge. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that was something special. I've gotten to become really close now with Paul and that organization, and yeah, we're going we're gonna to have some fun down there at WrestleMania, man. It's going to be... That'll be awesome. I'm going to hopefully give you an experience that, that you never thought you could have, so I hopefully get to meet Paul, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Well, I, I don't want to scare any Rutgers fans away with too much pro wrestling talk, so the uh, the last time that uh, I spoke with you for a story, it was about your t-shirt design that you did with Athletes Brand, and it seemed like that was a really successful promotion for you raising funds for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. Update people on how well that t-shirt drive went. It was awesome. So it's a limited edition t-shirt, too, that they did. So they only do it for two weeks. And, you know, people were not athletesbrand.com to do it. And we were able to raise $3,200 just by selling t-shirts in two weeks. You know what I mean? Which was pretty incredible, you know, to the foundation-wise. And I'm, I told the guy, you know, hopefully next year we can do the same thing. Now, if it was up to me, I would leave it up longer, you know, so people can continue to buy them. But like he says, it's a limited edition thing. They do it for two weeks, and then they move on to their next campaign. So people got to get it within that two weeks. And it was pretty awesome to see, you know, the output. People just buying these shirts. Entire school bought their shirts for, um, bought, uh, shirts for their faculty and 15 students. And then there's just a bunch of other random people just buying shirts. It was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I have to say, I, I got a shirt, and as far as shirts for promotions and fundraisers, crowdfunding stuff, most of those shirts are crap, but this shirt is actually pretty nice, so I was really disappointed when I ripped it in the first five seconds because I wasn't paying attention, so now I have to have my mom fix it for me later, but other than that, it's a pretty cool shirt. How'd you rip it, man? Uh, I was uh, I was on a run and I may have r- run through a tree and uh, got it all scratched up. Oh, I wish I would have saw that, man. That's funny. Yeah, we we uh, we weren't all Division One athletes at one point. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, h- how much are you paying attention to the world of Rutgers right now? Are you, I-, I know you always try and keep up and stop by when you can. I think. I saw you at a basketball game or a wrestling match, but how's everything going with you following what Rutgers is up to these days? I've been following everything, recruiting-wise for football, basketball. I've been trying to find a little bit recruiting-wise, especially watching them this year. This is 
my first year where I, where I actually like went to a game and see them saw them win. Because all the games I used to go to when I was on campus, they would be playing like Syracuse, Louisville, and they would get blown out. So I got to actually see my first Rutgers victory early in the year this year when I went to a game. It's been pretty amazing. I mean, I keep, I'm trying to keep up with everything now. It's what Pat Hobbs is doing, having a good relationship with him. I've seen the hard build campaign, I believe they were at set. It was at 70 million, almost, almost there. Yeah, they're right about 70%. That's what I'm saying, 70% of the way there, you know, I've, just, well, I've, I've loved to see the, the, pretty much the evolution of Rutgers going from where it was, now taking a step of where it needs to be in the Big Ten, and watching now, uh, uh, you know, get some of these recruits that I uh, believe are going to change these programs. You know, I've been trying to pay attention to a little bit of everything on all your guys' articles. It's been, it's been pretty cool to watch. Now, you mentioned recruiting, and as everyone listening to this knows, recruiting is kind of my job. What, did, what have uh, you thought about following recruiting? How, how absurd is it now compared to what it was like when you were being recruited out of Colonia? And it's with social media, it is so much different because people can now go out and tweet these kids, you know, and, and, and want, want to know pretty much what's going on in their lives and try to influence them, you know. In certain ways that I guess people wouldn't have done before. In the past, you know, me, I never got to interact really with the fan base unless we went on, you know, like scout.com and went on like the message boards and stuff like that. You know, that's the only time we got to actually see it now. It's just a tweet away with these guys. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to see how these kids can, can, can commit, decommit, commit, decommit. I'm like, once you, you know, one back when I was growing up, especially with, Christiana, once you gave your word, that was it. Like you were, that, that was the team that you were, that you were on and out. It's funny because now, also too, Nick Patty, he reached out to me in a DM, just asking me, you know, what influenced me to go to Rutgers, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's crazy how you can interact with the recruits and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a whole new world. It really is, and for those listening, Nick Patty will be discussed later in the show. He's a quarterback that Rutgers offered this week out of St. Joe's, Montvale. That's the same school as the McCourty Twins, the same school as Kevin Wilkins. Also, for our listeners, right after you hear from Eric, we're going to hear from Rajon Gross. Rajon Gross is a former Rutgers defensive tackle, and he played at Don Bosco Prep on those insanely loaded teams that you know included guys like... Darius Hamilton, Alquadim Muhammad. Now Rajon Gross is a heavyweight wrestler about to go into the Big Ten Championships. Eric, I, I know I don't think you ever played with Rajon. I think he's way too young for that. But what is it like for you to see a guy that like him that he screwed up? You know, he made a mistake with the football team, but he's been able to make up for it, and he's a legitimate Big Ten wrestler now. Yeah, no, no I've been following him, and it's been. Awesome to see how you make a transition and get a second chance. And you make, you know, you do good with that second chance. You don't mess up again. And as you say, he's about to go into the Big Ten Championships as a heavyweight wrestler for a star and nice. You know, that's awesome. You know, I went to a match earlier in the year, I believe, was Purdue. And watching him win that match, it was, it's crazy. The wrestling, wrestling to me, it's like that sport that you work so hard for, you grind, you do all these crazy things. Like when the match is over and you physically beat, beat somebody, it almost brings you to a tear, like emotion, you know what I mean? I feel like if I was a wrestler, I would go jump on my coach after each match, and I'll be in tears watching. That's the kind of sport that wrestling is to me. That's why I love 
It is, and and good luck to Coach Scott Goodale and his guys going out to the Big Ten as you're listening to this. Wrestling is already underway. Eric, before I let you go on and do, you know, 800 other celebrity appearances that I'm sure you have scheduled today, uh, tell everyone the best way to, to get involved with what you're doing. You know, how can how can the Rutgers fans that maybe aren't following you closely, how can they support you and support the causes that you so strongly advocate for? Well, the biggest thing is that we are live with our website, awalktobelieve.org, where people can go on and sign up for our walk. That's going to be my big thing pushing the forward, man. We want to raise 100 grand and really build this thing up and hopefully one day be able to fill the you know, High Point Solution Stadium with people, with walkers and runners and people that want to stroll in wheelchairs as well. So the big thing is now go to awalktobelieve.org, sign up as a team, if you sign up your school, you get a discount, raise money, raise awareness for people with spinal cord injuries. And overall, you Sam, you've been there. Come out, have a great time. We have a barbecue there. We have music playing. It's like a little party when you come to the finish line. And I just, you know, I can't thank the staff enough for continuing to do this. And this is our seventh year. And going to keep on grinding and grinding to raise money so I can one day be able to run or walk this thing myself. It is, and I know the McGuire family does a great job scheduling it. It's one of my favorite events every year. Hopefully this year, uh, you know, when I participate, it goes a little better than the running experience that I described with you earlier. Hey, man, I, I definitely hope so, too, and I hope to see you out there running on June 4th this year. This is when the event is June 4th of Walks of Belief. All right, well, right after this message from our advertiser, you will hear from Rajon Gross. Eric, thanks for the time. Hey, thank you, Sam. All right, excited to be joined today by uh, my guy, Rajan Gross, football player, wrestler, <laughs> Don Bosco, lots of stuff. What's going on, man? Um, going good. Everything's going good. Training's going good for wrestling. You know, as you know, we have the Big Ten Championships this weekend. Training's going good, and um, I'm ready for this weekend. I'm prepared. Uh, I know you remember it, but the first time we met, uh, you guys, Don Bosco football, I think it was your junior year, you mm-hmm. blew out. Perhaps Catholic? No, no, it was a it was a public school game that you guys played. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you guys won thirty five nothing. I was there to see Al Qadim Muhammad, I think, and yeah. then I was like, oh well, who's this guy? And yeah. we talked for a while. Rutgers was recruiting you for football, mm-hmm. and I don't was Rutgers recruiting you for wrestling at the time too. I think yeah, they were, but um, I remember Rutgers was uh, giving me a preferred offer, a preferred walk on opportunity with Coach Flood, and. Um, I was weighing my options at that time. I didn't know what I wanted to do, wrestle or play football. So um, it was a hard decision at that time, but yeah. I think I remember calling you when you committed to Rutgers football. Mm-hmm. I think you said you were just listening to music and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go play football now. Was it that simple? Uh, it was definitely, I waited on my heart. I waited on my parents, like no, my family. I talked a little bit with them first and I just, you know, didn't want to give up football at that time. You know what I mean? I felt like I still had some something left for football, and I didn't want to like give up football. So that's why I went the opportunity to go play football, and not wrestling. So I mean, actually, I love you know, football more than wrestling. So you know, what I mean? so it's kind of it was kind of no brainer. <laughs> Uh, I uh, you've talked about everything with football so many times. I don't want to make you go through all of it again. But your time with the football team, what was it like? And what were the challenges for you just being 
a shorter guy, a smaller guy playing defensive tackle, you know, in the Big Ten in the American, like that had to have been a learning experience. Yeah, it was definitely a learning experience. You know, I just thought that you know I played D tackle in high school. I could definitely play you know D tackle in college. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, the guys are much bigger in college. You know, there's it's a lot that goes into you know playing defensive tackle in college. And you know, I realized that very quickly. You know, I worked with Jim Panagos. He had a lot of faith in me, but you know, obviously I became a, you know, a scout team player at the Peters, so I just kind of just try to prove myself on scout teams to get in the rotation. But you know, then like I figured out for myself like fullback was probably the best opportunity to you know to get recognized and noticed and stuff. So uh, when I made that move back to fullback, I was comfortable. I was like, okay, this is my spot. I'm going to do everything that I could possibly do to be better at the spot. You said you can play defensive tackle in high school. Might as well play it in college, too. Yeah. Well, you say that, but like, for people that don't know, you were very good. Like, everyone says Darius Hamilton was the defensive lineman on that, that team, and he was good, but you were the guy playing right next to him at the nose every play. Mm -hmm. Um, what was what was it like being on those Don Bosco teams where I could go back and count probably 30 D1 guys, probably five or six NFL guys by now? What was that like for you? Uh, it was it was quite an experience, man. Um, I still talk to some of the guys on the team, and we always you know, remiss about the past, about old days and stuff. We still have high school tapes about, you know, with De La Salle, uh, like we went out to Prattville and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, St. Nations, all those good teams. And it was definitely memories, and, you know, and there was a lot of good guys. You know, my, my friend, uh, Akudi Muhammad, that I still keep in touch with. He's getting ready for the, com the combine right now. Right. And um, you know, I wish him the best. And we st we still talking though, and he still remembers the battles we me and Coach Toll and us used to get in. So you know what I mean. So it's pretty cool, you know, seeing people developing and stuff and go through life. You know, Shumate, you know, in Tampa Bay, Leontay, Miami, Miami is a lot. And Darius getting ready for you know NFL come well, yeah, the NFL stuff, yeah, training stuff, and training and stuff. So it's pretty cool, you know what I mean. So. It's good to have contact with still all these guys. With everything at Don Bosco, I, I know it's kind of a crazy situation right now, but Mike Teal being the head coach, how do you think he can do, or you know him from him being a coach at Rutgers and the Don Bosco guy? I think Mike Teal would be an excellent head coach. You know what I mean? I have all the faith in, faith in Mike Teal, and I think he'll do good wonders for the pro, uh, program and stuff. So I have nothing but confidence in Mike Teal. And um, he's the right he's the right guy for the job. I think Coach Toll prepped him for the job. And, um, yeah, I wish him the best. Um, everyone knows why you transitioned from wrestling and away from football with everything that went on off the field. What, what did you learn from that experience about, you know, accountability and, and how has it changed the way you handle everything now? Um, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a learning experience. Like, you know what I mean? It's like... You know, wrong place, wrong time. You know, it's college. You know, I'm gonna be in the wrong place sometimes. You know what I mean? And it happens like that to realize you messed up. You know, and um, you know, I just been become the better person, better you know, brother, better you know, son, all that. You know, just 360. You know, so um, it's it's good. It's amazing, man. It really is. So um, I'm just happy. What has it been like for you to? I mean, you get to you still get to be a Rutgers athlete now. Yeah, these guys are amazing, man. I tell them every day these guys are amazing. Like, any press conference I do, I'm like, yeah, these guys, are, these these guys are the nicest people you ever meet. And um, you know, when I first came in, they, you know, they, they welcomed me with open arms. You know what I mean? And um, they treat me like their brother since day one. 
So you know, they reclined together, we ran together, all that, all that stuff. So uh, it was, it's, it's pretty cool not having these guys, you know, behind my back 100%. So, what is it like for you just preparing for your first Big Ten tournament? You know, Big Ten, not tournament, but Big Ten experience. I mean, yes, yeah, this is a big stage, though. Know, big Ten championships. This is a big stage right here. You know, what I mean, I'm, um, I'm getting prepared. You know, I'm prepared. I think for the Big Tens. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna try my best, you know, to go out there and just wrestle. You know, every period, the best that I can, I can be. So, as people can hear, everyone's walking by us. You guys are about to start practicing. Mm-hmm. What What are these last few practices like? How much have you? Because for you, it's got to be learning how to practice again because you hadn't done this for so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, wrestling is like, like like riding a bike. You know what I mean? It's just like with the week one, week two was pretty rough. I was, you can tell, I was really raw. I was, you know, really. Getting back into the sport, you know, my conditioning was way off. I was breathing hard, heavy. But you know, the next month transition over, I start getting better. My technique start coming back. My wind start coming back, and you know, my footwork start coming back. So you know, it's like riding a bike. You know, I'm not a two-time high school, you know, Jersey State champ for nothing. You know what I mean? I knew I, I knew I know how to wrestle. I knew I could compete at the level, the high level. That's why I stayed here and I wrestled here. At and I didn't want to go play football nowhere else. So, how, how different is it from strength and conditioning and nutrition? Because football is bigger, stronger. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being a heavyweight, there isn't as much weight management. But what is it? What are the differences in the conditioning aspect between uh, the two sports? Man, conditioning. I mean, football is more like you know heavy lifting conditioning. You know what I mean? You put you want to load up the weight and just push push you through. You know just. It's the heavy lifting. It's just, it's just crazy. You know what I mean? Just thinking about it. You know what I mean? But um, wrestling is more conditioning. You have to just have a big pace for yourself, and it's more of a mindset, more of a mental toughness type mindset. You know what I mean? It wears you out. You know what I mean? It's, that's that, that kind. Of, that's, kind of, that's the kind of training it is. It's more muscle for football than than muscle for wrestling. You know what I'm saying? So. What do you like about being in the heavyweight where normally you're the last guy to go and sometimes matches live or die with how you perform? And we've seen that this year. You've won a match mm-hmm. for the team yeah. just by winning that heavyweight and there's a lot of yeah. drama. I mean, I'm, I'm used to like positions like that. You know, I like being in positions like that because I want to be clutch. I want to be that guy to win it for the team. You know what I mean? It's like LeBron, that three, LeBron's my favorite athlete. So that's about I, like, I like moments like that. I was in moments like that in high school. I had down bottom school at like 195. Matches usually came down to me or heavyweight. And uh, I'm used to those positions, you know what I mean? So when, when I, that match in Illinois came to me, and it was like a walk in the park. Like, I did this before. I know how it is. You know, fans, you know, AC you know, gets wild too, like that too. So it's like, it's walking apart. Uh, I finish these with the same three questions I ask everyone. Who would you say is your favorite Rutgers athlete? Who, who are you a big fan of? Could be wrestling, football, whatever you want. Right now? Sure. My favorite Rutgers athlete right now. Uh, it could be someone that played here, or, you know, that doesn't go here. Uh, I think, um, favorite Rutgers athlete, I would say Jawan Harris. Jawan Harris is a very, very good athlete. You know what I mean? He's played two sports, bat- baseball and, you know, football. That's pretty incredible, you know what I mean? two-sport athlete. I mean, I feel like I like watching him on the football field. You know, I think he's really explosive on the baseball field, too. So, uh, he's a good athlete. All right. What is your favorite memory when you think about your time at Rutgers? Probably was probably at the Quick Lane Bowl. 
know what I mean? The quick lane moment we wanted uh, with Coach Floyd. It was all the guys, you know, we, because we put in really hard work for hours to get that championship against North Carolina. It was special. It was cool. We was in the Detroit Lions Stadium. And uh, I, I probably will remember that for the rest of my life. Uh, I, that was really a good experience. You probably had to love that locker room after when Leontay says he's coming he back. Coming back, too. Yeah, that was lit. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. So, All right, last question. If you get to have one more meal at Rutgers, where's your restaurant and what are you going to order? Uh, maybe, maybe Old Man Rafferty's. Yeah. Old Man Rafferty's and probably Chicken Bar. Nice and easy. It's a nice and easy, yeah. So, Old Man Rafferty's is the place to go, man. The dessert is good, too. <laughs> so, right, man, well, good luck in the tournament. Thank, thank you. Thank you, man. Good to see you. All right. Thanks to our guests here on episode 52 of the Rutgers Scoutcast, and our third guest, will not be kept waiting any longer. He's excited to speak, and we begin the news today in commitment country, where national recruiting analyst Brian Doan joins me on the show. You broke the news at the start of the week that running back Gus Edwards is Rutgers bound. Rutgers announced him later that day, and Rutgers has a big, strong, powerful running back coming as a graduate transfer. Yeah, you just got to make sure you finish up at Miami. Nothing goes crazy and he winds up at Rutgers because, you know, even though you sign with Rutgers and they announce you, you can go anywhere you want up until the day you enroll in classes. So there's that. He gets into grad school, which is nice for him. And you're right. I mean, this is done because Rutgers thinks they need a big power back like Edwards. And he gives some experience and he's able to bridge the gap a little bit between now and, and maybe who you can bring in next year. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It, you know, we keep talking about the running back room being depleted, and I don't think people believed us. And this just shows what they think of the need at that position. Uh, look, I understand. We've had the argument on this show about, about Hicks and Martin and the Rutgers running backs. We've had the argument three times probably here in the first 52 episodes of this program. This is the one-year anniversary then. It is. Just about. It is. Uh, 52 would be 52 weeks of the podcast. So, yes. Happy um, anniversary. Yeah, congratulations. My point is that this shows, this move shows what Rutgers thinks of the running back room. Fans and media and anyone, everyone is welcome to their own opinion, but this shows that the Rutgers opinion is that they need some more juice in that room at the veteran level, a proven guy, a guy from Staten Island, a guy that can get yards in short-yarded situations. And from what I've seen from Gus Edwards, watching him at Miami and following him at Tottenville, is he he's the guy that, you know, you design a play to get three yards, and he's going to get you five sometimes. And Rutgers just doesn't have that in a lot of its skill players. Gus Edwards is a guy that you'd think can do that. Now, he has to earn... A lot. He has to show up in training camp, learn an offense, and earn his playing time, but he's well-positioned, and I think that the way the coaching staff went out and got him shows that. You mentioned three yards turning into five. He has the habit of always falling forward. He doesn't get pushed back a lot, and that's a nice trait to have as a running back, and he's got one year to play. The coaching staff, I'm guessing, did not tell him, come up here and we'll give you a couple carries per game, and you know, if you really try hard, we'll get you in. They said, we need running backs up here. Come up here, and you got a really good chance to be the guy. And that's why he's going to Rutgers. 
another reason he's going to Rutgers to get close to home. Their relationship at Tottenville is quickly becoming a very strong one. Our members read earlier this week an interview between Tim Barrow and Garrett about that relationship. Tim Barrow committed about, what, 10 months ago? I'm not very good at math. But that was the start, I guess you could say, of Chris Ash building a relationship with this school. You bring in Gus Edwards, who everyone at Tottenville, the Coach Munson, who, who you spoke with, they, they like him a lot. And now you have Zaheer Lacewell as a legit big-time target in the 2018 class. It's Rutgers is building relationships with schools, and this is a school that has, unlike a lot of New Jersey schools, has making sure that Rutgers is taken care of, treated fairly, and it's a good sign. It is a good sign, and it's one of the closest schools that Rutgers will recruit because it's right over the bridge, uh, literally an exit or two over the bridge. You know, you do games there, Sam. You're home by 10 o'clock with warm milk from a cold night, kind of relaxing, which is I'm you all don't, for You don't get that experience at Don Bosco if, if you're in the Rutgers area. It's much farther away. Yes, and so I look at it from that standpoint. Yeah, they're not going to produce a ton of kids, but... They have a nice little run that goes on there, and at least they're familiar with it, and head coach Brian Neville's a good guy. You know, Jim Munson's the former coach who coached Gus Edwards, and they're always going to try to take care of Syracuse a little bit too because it's the home state school. But there is, without question, a fondness for Rutgers. And in digging around and talking to a few people close to Tottenville, at Tottenville, they think Rutgers is the perfect fit for Zaheer Lacewell. We'll see if it turns out to be that way but there is a strong feeling that you know they want Zaheer going to Rutgers. Well Rutgers does need linebackers. I noticed that but you know right now the selling point is receiver safety long snapper holder whatever he wants to do and then you figure it out later he's 6'3 200 you'd figure he'll grow into a linebacker watching him play and watching his tape I think linebacker is what Ultimately, he winds up, but he wants to try other things, and he's good, so might as well. Transitioning into part two of the news in the 2018 recruiting spotlight, a Rutgers offer this week goes out to a quarterback in New Jersey. He is, I guess, the fourth, fifth quarterback. It kind of depends on if you count Sikowski as New Jersey. It depends on if you count Johnny Langan as a quarterback. But Nick Patty gets his Rutgers. Or counting Applewhite. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think of him. So Rutgers has offered or has been involved with a lot of New Jersey quarterbacks. Nick Patty is the latest. Brian, we had this conversation over the phone on Wednesday night after the offer. I I could really see this. This is just my opinion. I could really see this being the quarterback that Rutgers ends up adding to its 2018 class because he he's a really bright kid. He comes from a good program that wins he can he can run I wouldn't say he's a dangerous runner but he he can run he's a guy that wants to stay close to home he wants to study business there's a lot of things between Rutgers and Patty that that makes sense for me I look at the offer and it's not surprising knowing that Rutgers is always trying to you know take care of guys at home and and offer people at home and make sure that they're taking care of their backyard first of all I think that's the first thing you look at. I saw him play as a junior, and Sam, you know me fairly well by now. 
I interviewed him after the game, did a story on him after the game, and there's no way I'm wasting my time, or more importantly, his time, to interview somebody that I don't think is a D1 kid. I thought he was a D1 kid. I don't know if he's going to fit in perfectly with what they want to do as far as running it with the quarterback, but I also think he's, if you want to look at how you can meld this offense in different ways, he's a lot like what Anthony Russo would have been if he came to Rutgers, a guy who has a little bit of mobility, but it's more about the quick release, the pre-snap reads, and getting rid of the ball. So it makes sense from that standpoint, and like I told you, getting a high-tier quarterback if you're Rutgers right now, is not going to be easy for two reasons. One, there's very few of them in the East region, so you have that. Devin Leary's there. Sikowski left. The other thing is, Jonathan Lewis is coming to campus. And while Rutgers recruits every kid out there and talks to them about, come play at Rutgers, we need quarterback depth, every school recruiting against Rutgers is telling the kid, why are you going to go there? Their quarterback of the future is going to be a freshman. You're not going to play there. If luckily you'll be there as a redshirt senior, you'll finally get on the field. That's what happens in recruiting. And so they do have to combat that a little bit. But at the end of the day, if Nick Patty's your guy, you still upgrade the quarterback room. I agree. The, the I'd never spoken to him until the offer and just the way he... How lucky for him. Yeah. The way he approaches the process impressed me. I mean, St. Joe's Montvale does a good job preparing its kids. It does a very good job as far as how to handle recruiting. And the kinds of questions he was answering, the way he answered them, he he gets it, I think. And I think he gets that there could be an opportunity for him at Rutgers. He says he wants to play for an offensive coordinator that's a quarterback coach. Uh, Jerry Kill is that. I mean, we'll see if Jerry Kill is still here next year. We know how that's gone with the last eight offensive coordinators. But he likes that. I know that answer. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is he, he pays attention to Rutgers. He's, I think, someone that has in some capacity grown up being a bit of a Rutgers fan as a, a football guy in New Jersey. I talked to him about St. Joe's, and I brought up how the McCordys played there, and he knew all about it. He brings up Kevin Wilkins and their relationship and how he's been following Wilkins ever since Wilkins signed with Rutgers. There's a lot of things that make sense, and I'm sure a lot of people aren't, and some are excited about him being added to the offer list. We'll see where it goes, but if you ask me today which quarterback I think Rutgers would end up with in the class, this this would probably be my answer. So in talking to people about what Jerry Kill wants in a quarterback, and, you know, you make your phone calls and you talk to coaches at he knows that you know and maybe people that were recruited by him or you know how it goes what what he wants in a quarterback is a somebody very smart and b somebody tough who's willing to stand in and throw the ball who's willing to run the ball you know when you have to I look at a kid like Patty and this was important to me he gets offered by Rutgers you know who offered him after Albany Army and when Army offers you, it means you're tough, and it means you're really smart, and... Probably means you can run a little bit. Yeah, and it also means that you're a pretty good kid. There's a lot that goes into going to either the Naval Academy or going to West Point. And 
so when I hear that Army offered him, and I realize Army has offered, I believe it's something like 63,000 kids in this class. It's unbelievable. But it's close to the campus, you know, maybe a half hour from the campus. They know the kid. And that says a lot to me about his character and his mental acumen. To be fair, Rutgers has probably offered about 62,000 kids in this class, so it's... It's close. It, you know what? As crazy as it is, I, Army's offered more, I think. It's wow. unbelievable how many they've offered. And blessed. I guess we'll see how his recruitment goes this spring. Pittsburgh has shown interest after bringing in Kenny Pickett from New Jersey last year. You know, Jonathan Lewis didn't have a 1,000 offers when he committed to Rutgers either, so don't don't read too much into the offer list. We'll see how it goes with him, but that that's my take on Nick Patty. Hey, at least he has more offers than a lot of the other quarterbacks they got the last few years. Wrapping up the news, Brian, this is our last Rutgers scout cast before... Ever? Um, maybe. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how the download numbers do. This is the last Rutgers scout cast before the Big Ten Basketball Tournament. And the Big Ten Basketball Tournament takes place this year at the Verizon Center in Washington, D.C. Rutgers is locked into the 14 seed, also known as the bottom seed. Uh, depends. There's a couple different options for that 11 seed, that, that day one matchup. And frankly, they're all games that Rutgers could win. And with the way that Steve Peichel is coached, I'm not as confident after watching the Maryland game. And I don't think any fans are that confident. But with the way that Peichel's coached, I wouldn't be surprised if the first Rutgers victory in a Big Ten tournament happens this year. Really? It's been nice in one regard to watch them play because... Other than a few lapses, they actually play hard. They look well coached. They just need better players. Stop if you heard this one before. The good news for basketball is you don't need 50 better players to be able to win. So I'm, I'm more curious on how much the kids have bought in. Do I have to listen to any silliness of Corey Sanders in the NBA after the season? And just looking forward to hopefully they do well in recruiting, keep the staff together, and just build toward next year and, and find that shooter who maybe can give them that basket or two that they need. And now this is just me. I don't know. Practice about 60,000 free throws a day <laughs> just to see what you can do. And it should be noted that at my little sixth grade basketball practice the other night, I went two for two on free throws with my eyes closed. That's... Maybe they should try closing their eyes. I thought they had been. Yeah. First off, on Corey Sanders, if I'm him, of course I explore the NBA again because it's the NCAA and there's no penalties whatsoever. Maybe you can get some workouts in and learn something. But, of course, I mean, I'm not going pro. No, you are not. No. Getting a shooter, they look, they think Geo Baker is going to be that guy. And Coach Peichel has talked about with that, that with me, and you can go back on this show into the archives and hear more about that. But, again, that... Mike Williams was a lights-out high school shooter, too, and he that has not translated. So who knows if it will for Geo Baker or for whatever else they decide to bring in. As far as buying in, I think that the majority of the guys have bought in, and the guys that haven't won't be at Rutgers next year. That's kind of how it works with a coaching change in basketball. Uh, as far as the Big Ten tournament, look, I'll be down there for as long as Rutgers is in it. Hopefully that means more than one day because I, you know, it's my hometown, so there's things that I would like to do. We'll so see. your parents are rooting against Rutgers? Well, yeah, I am staying at my parents, so they, you know, the less they have to deal with me and rent-free, rent 
Are they hoping for like a four o'clock game so the game can end and you can drive back to your place in Jersey? <laughs> well, it's a seven o'clock game, unfortunately. So I'll probably wake them up when I get home at midnight. Back Past to their your place. Bedtime. Yeah, I know. I'm old. Anyway, the it's exciting for Nigel Johnson being a guy that grew up in the area, played in the area. Dad was a Washington Redskin. I think that could be a cool storyline if Rutgers is able to scrap together a win or put something together. The next Big Ten tournament's in New York and. For Rutgers fans, I, I would think that by then Steve Pica will have shown more progress in terms of wins and losses, and maybe that could be the exciting one for the fans. That'd be fun in the Garden. I, I just remember going to all the Big East tournaments in the Garden, even before Rutgers was in the Big East. It's such a great time and such a great venue as it as it builds toward the championship. The championship is, you know, whatever. Those teams are going to the NCAs, but there's a lot of excitement moving forward, and it makes sense as. You know, everybody listens to why is Rutgers in the Big Ten. Well, I think you see why. The television dollars and you get to market the Big Ten conference in New York next year. They're marketing it this year in D.C. for Maryland. So it makes sense. You're opening up new doors to people. So it's a lot of fun. Sam, you're usually the one that gets the off-topic questions. Well, I was able to receive one this week, and I thought I'd throw it out there at you. You are Mr. DMV, the Big Department Ten, of Motor Vehicles. The Big Ten tournament is down at Washington D.C., and I don't want to hear any of this stuff about Lado Pizza. First of all, or Lido Pizza. I get one tweet from you about that. You're getting unfollowed on Twitter. That's fine with me. But, being near the MCI Center, or whatever they call it now, and I know you sent me to a place with my family that we really enjoyed, but if you're in Washington, D.C., and now I have my favorite, and I'll, but I'll ask you first, what is the one place that you have to go to eat that doesn't involve food my kids would rather have than an adult? So I guess this isn't a time to plug like Chick-fil-A or something like that. No. <laughs> well, they do you, like Chick-fil-A though. You've already teased it, but especially for any fans listening that are going to any of the Rutgers games, highly, highly recommend Tony Chang's. It's it's a uh, they do a Mongolian barbecue like buffet and then there's also like a Chinese takeout. It's like a two story restaurant. It's in Chinatown. DC, which is where the Verizon Center is. It's delightful, it's affordable, and I will be there at least once this week. You should hook up like a informal Scarlet Report gathering where fans can talk to you. I think that would be fun. That would but probably be at the Green Turtle attached to the Verizon Center. I don't think that the Chinese food restaurant would be very... I think they'd be very confused with that kind of get-together. I think they would. If the old Queens I, crew showed up. I look at it and I... I mean, for me... I always think Mongolian beef, which I'm sure is one of your favorites when you go there. Yeah, they're always trying to tear down my city wall. Whenever I get to D.C., and I'm usually over at St. John's checking out prospects or somewhere over there, I always have to start stop at the Parthenon, a Greek restaurant. Absolutely fantastic. As a matter of fact, when I was coming home from the holidays from Virginia, we made a quick detour to check things out. And first time my wife got to eat there, and my kids got chicken fingers from there, which is probably something you would enjoy. The uh, the on topic this question this week and this I guess it's a good question. It's timely after uh, the Raison Gros interview that you listened to earlier in the show. 
is the, the question was we look we talk a lot about football and basketball because that's what drives the bus that's what people pay to go see sometimes and that's you know that's our jobs but the question was out take that away and who is your favorite Rutgers athlete is take away football and basketball and who's your favorite Rutgers athlete so Rajon Gross is up there for me by the way and I, I would take this as my favorite athlete to cover or watch I mean I don't do it very much these days unfortunately because fans just aren't they don't always engage with that stuff. I, I mean, I hope people have enjoyed the lacrosse coverage this week and the wrestling coverage and all that stuff. But when I was a student at the Daily Targum, I loved covering the Olympic sports. And so, I, I mean, I it's hard for me to pick one. Um, I don't know if this question was including women's basketball or not, but I had a really good relationship with Heather Zurich when she was on the team and I covered her. Uh, I would say I covered Rutgers softball for two years at the Targum and their, their star player, Nicole Lindley was good. She, uh, she was briefly featured on Scarlet Report during Tim Pernetti's last days. I did an interview with her about Pernetti and his impact with the players. I would say those, those two would probably be my answers. And frankly, Rajon Gross is up there too. And you hear why some of that in the interview, just because I've known him for such a long time. And it's good to see someone bounce back when they screw up. It has to be without question. Alexei Lalas. Has to be. Um, first of all, he plays, well, he played the beautiful game at an incredibly high level. He took Rutgers to an NCAA Final Four. He was a dominant player at Rutgers, a dominant player on the college soccer landscape, and he was a really good player for the U.S. men's national team. And I know a lot of people out there, well, I know a lot of people out there are huge soccer fans like yourself, Sam. So you see him all the time, you know, whether it was on ESPN or now on Fox Sports, and he's a really opinionated guy. And so you have to look at that, and, and sometimes that will rub people the wrong way, and that's what they think of him. It's like the younger people that think Phil Simms is a great broadcaster but has no idea that he was a very good football player. People think Phil Simms is a great broadcaster? He's very good. Oh, my God. Anyway. Anyway. Same with Troy Aikman. But for me, Lawless was great. And my favorite Lawless story was he used to live across the street from my sister. And when I would go visit her, that house always had some unbelievable parties going on, it felt like. So not only did he do it on the soccer field, he did it off the court, too. Yeah, parties might have been part of my answer, too. But you don't know with which one of the three. Also, a quick, quick, really quick story. Jason Bergman, the former pitcher big fan of his because he played for the Nationals when I was in college and I went to uh, I went to a, a Nationals game when I was like back on break or something it was Nationals Mets I grew up a Mets fan and so I'm yelling and shouting at Jason Bergman while he's doing warm-ups in the outfield hey hey I go to Rutgers hey I go to Rutgers give me a baseball because you know I'm an obnoxious college kid that's what I do and he looks up to me at me and goes you're wearing a Mets hat F you <laughs> And then just goes right back to it. And so then I scream back, I'm telling Fred Hill. And then uh, about five minutes later, I had a baseball. <laughs> that is a good story. So big fan of his. A very quick wrap up to this episode 52 of the Rutgers Scout cast, because apparently Thursday night is turn the base up to 11 and tap dance night 
for my neighbors here in my apartment. One of the reasons why I'm looking forward to moving in a couple months. Thank you everyone for listening, especially if you're still with us now. It means you listen through those delightful advertisements that help keep this show afloat. The other way to keep this show afloat is to review us in iTunes. It is incredibly simple. If you haven't done it yet, please take a minute to do so. If you don't understand what review us in iTunes is, please feel free to message or email me, shelman at scout.com or at samhelmanscout on Twitter. I will happily walk you through it. We have some interesting guests coming in the next few weeks, but I don't want to name any of them yet because you never know when something's going to fall through or something's going to change. Rutgers Pro Day coming up soon, the Big Ten Tournament coming up soon, and a chance to connect with some people. The highlight of my week every week is this opportunity to connect with you, the Rutgers fans. So once again, I am the Scarlet Report publisher and host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.